Hello and a very warm welcome as every Friday to Bergos Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and I have two guests today, Dennis König and Thomas Christen. Hi. Hi, Aurelia. Hi. Well, if you guys are here, we're talking about equities. So at the moment, that is, of course, a, let's just say, turbulent topic. Can I just sort of offer the floor to you, Thomas, and ask you about what's going on at the moment with equities? Yeah, sure. Uh, investing is a serious topic and we as a bank, of course, have a great responsibility and also duty towards our clients uh, in this area. And after all, I mean, every investment, whether stocks, bonds or any other asset class comes with certain characteristics. And this is precisely where we stand by our clients and seek to create transparency and uh, long-term added value with a straightforward approach. And similar to a successful entrepreneur, we try to find attractive investment opportunities day by day. And these investments should be made on a long-term basis and in value-generating companies. So not uh, jumping on short-term trends. Um, I mean, this is not uh, in line with our entrepreneurial DNA. Yeah. And in this context, we consider an equity mandate as a complete investment structure with many subholdings, just like in a large conglomerate. And there we break down this conglomerate in a diversified manner to different regions, but also sectors, whereby we have our own house view for each sector and also for each region. If I just may intersect you real quick, Thomas, that um, two weeks ago, uh, Max Hefele, Maximilian Hefele was here and he described and explained the metrics quite well in the investment process. So uh, I would like to just quickly point to that if, if anybody would like to learn more about that, Maximilian Hefele did a great job relaying how that is put together and why that's important in the entire investment process here. But maybe the question to you, would you mind telling me then, sort of once that's defined, what, what are the next steps? What happens on the other side? Yeah, of course. Um, after defining our house view in set sectors, but also with regard to the geographical allocation, the equity team tries to select individual stocks in the mentioned context, which have stable and understandable business models and which fulfill the four pillars of our investment philosophy. And here we would like to go into these four pillars, quality, growth, return and valuation in more detail later. That'd be great. Looking forward to that. Before we do that, though, Thomas, can I ask you, what do we not do? Maybe an odd question, but I would really like to know what sort of is excluded of the process. Yes. So in our approach, and this is very important, we avoid or will never do speculation, uh, which means trying to capitalize on short term price fluctuations. Yeah. Uh, in this context, we clearly distance ourselves from investments in companies that generate losses or in kind of difficult stage of their business or have the status of a turnaround uh, candidate. And also companies which are in structural problems or where the management sends unclear uh, signals do not correspond to our quality criteria. Got it. Okay. And Thomas, can you, I guess, break down our philosophy to a few more tangible points for me? 
Yeah, um, we in uh, in the bottom up equity t- uh, team focus on four main factors and follow a transparent equity approach here at Bergos. Because for an investor who wants to invest the money over a long term period and uh, an investor who has real intentions, we recommend the following four factors. Factor one, uh, or we also call it the quality pillar. Um, There is nothing more important than a solid company. By this term, we refer to a stable business model, a trustworthy and long-term thinking management, as well as a solid balance sheet. This is because corporate quality means capital preservation, security, and at the same time, flexibility in exactly these uncertain times as we have it now. Yeah. A second and also really important pillar is growth. So in the growth pillar, we select companies that generate stable sales growth, show stable margin uh, growth, and can increase profits from year to year. We also like companies that are innovative and reinvest their profits generated in like new research or development of their of their own products. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because we think that this is the only way to survive uh, against the competition in today's fast moving world. And uh, additionally, in the growth pillar, we also look at megatrends such as uh, digitalization, urbanization and demographics, just to mention a few. And we expect these megatrends to generate additional structural growth in the next 10 to 20 years. Mm Yes, Thomas already mentioned two important pillars of our investment philosophy. Um, I would like to to add two more to that. Um, That's return and that's valuation. Um, Let's start maybe with return. So by default, we want the companies we're invested in to be profitable and to generate shareholder return. So in other words, we want the company to work efficiently with the capital provided by the shareholders and um, yeah, to generate an above average return on equity. For some companies, um, this, for example, correlates with a relatively high dividend yield or in the US with a high degree of um, stock repurchases, which is a bit more common there. Um, What we like about companies which generate such high returns on their capital is that usually you see a compounding effect when capital is reinvested in the business and continues to grow at a high rate. And in order to do that, Yeah, you need a strong business model and a relevant product or a relevant service, which again brings us back to our quality factor Thomas already mentioned in the beginning. The interesting thing is um, that we also look at valuation because that's somehow a conflict between, for example, high quality, high return and valuation. And that's why we are not following a dedicated value approach, which would basically mean that we would always be looking out for the stock with the lowest multiple but we still pay a lot of attention on valuation. That means that, for example, we are cautious when there's already lots of expectations, part of the stock price, and there's only little room for positive surprises. Then we usually take a more cautious stance. 
usually these companies with multiples beyond let's say seven times 70 times earnings also lack of a track record of profitable growth which then again would not fit well with our quality approach mm -hmm. so in summary we're interested in profitable quality companies that participate yeah in structural growth trends got it dennis thank you for um that background maybe quickly back to thomas i wonder just i mean given the current situation at the markets what is there need for action what should be done what do we need to keep our eyes out for what we see this year is uh, that uh, the financial financial markets have once again or are characterized by higher volatility yeah. so i think we have to uh, live with that even in the coming months And uh, of course, a number of uncertainties are uh, likely to persist and continue to keep us also busy yeah. here. And at Bergos, our advice is to ride out these fluctuations, to remain calm um, and also to take a long term view. And of course, above all, stay invested in solid quality stocks. Of course, yeah. And for this reason, it is not surprising that we remain uh, true to our investment principles and want to participate in profitable and high quality companies for the coming years. As we all know, one of the most important lessons for investors is to take a long term perspective. Volatility is a normal part of investing. Uh, price declines happen from time to time and are also an important mechanism because the stock market, as we all know, is uh, not a one-way road. And a look at the past shows that the best and worst days on the stock markets are uh, close together and consequently an emotional reaction to volatile markets can potentially do more harm to the portfolio's performance than the market decline itself. So as we said earlier, we really try to stay focused. We try to um, stay close to our companies. Uh, we test our portfolios about it, their um, robustness. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think with that, we can get through this uh, also volatile period. Perfect. What I think is important to add is that we're really actively managing our equity portfolios. So, for example, when Russia attacked Ukraine at the end of February, we were able to very quickly check our portfolios for potential implications. For instance, we checked very quickly for significant sales exposure in sanctions affected countries and were then able to turn our attention to the much more complex part of the supply chain. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, it helped us a lot to focus on rather concentrated portfolios whose companies we know very well. On the other hand, our focus on quality also meant that we had few, only few anomalies in the portfolio here. Another topic is the very close monitoring of valuation. If, for example, we believe a company is overvalued and the potential for negative surprises is increasing, we are also actively removing it from the portfolio. Um, and that happened already a couple of times over the last couple of months. Another topic is potential risk factors we closely monitor. So, for example, if you look at US restaurant chains, we very closely monitor the development of food prices in comparison to the development of um, purchasing power of their respective customers. That's also a topic we follow very closely and um, draw our consequences from it. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, Dennis, I can't let you go without asking for a kind of look ahead. Um, the situation at the moment is, of course, very turbulent. And how do you see that develop? What a, a, Hard to say. I know that. <laughs> yeah, but still a little bit of a, of a foresight. Yes. When, for example, we look at the different investment styles, so for example, value investing um, versus, for example, growth stocks, then we really expect uh, continued volatility for these different investment styles for the next couple of months. And we think that it actually creates opportunities. For example, we believe that currently some companies with an extremely solid business model, a good and difficult to replicate product have been overly punished by the market due to concerns about let's say, short-term difficulties in the supply chain or with respect to consumer sentiment. Mm -hmm. So we try to take advantage of these opportunities within our portfolios, which is also the context of the recent changes in our house view. Fantastic. Dennis, thank you so very much for today. It was a pleasure. Thomas, thank you so much. We have to thank you, Aurelia. And another thanks. That is this time to you, dear listeners, for indeed listening. And we hope that you have a pleasant weekend ahead of you. We're looking forward to more from Bergersner next week on Friday. Until then, all my best. Bye-bye.